0: And now, here is our message. What a day! Well, new location, uh, same God. <laughs> Man, so glad you're here today. Um, there, first, I, I do got to brag. Our setup team just killed it this morning. Massive turnouts for that, and just worked super hard. And for those who don't know where we are, hopefully you will eventually find us. Um, uh, but uh, we are we are back, and so. We are here at least through December uh, is is our plan, and then we go from there. We do have to tear down everything in the w- this week, now and every week. Um, can't leave it up. Wish I could. Uh, wish we could. But uh, apparently they use it, <laughs> so um, so uh, our chairs we'll gotta stack and stuff. Uh, but we can leave those. But everything else has gotta go. So um, we're starting a new series, Strange Fire. So the idea is. World religions, cults, and other things Christians just don't want to talk about. Um, and and we are in a very weird, strange time. We've been talking about that. But there's a lot of various different beliefs right now, too. And then those beliefs really determine where you're at when it comes to what's happening in the world or what isn't. Um, Christians right now, Christians who don't see any of this as any big deal, uh, may have or may not have diluted some of the gospel in their own minds. We have, we have people of other religions who uh, see no problem with what's happening now and see major problems. And, and if you're in different countries across the world, all kinds of different beliefs. We're in Chicagoland. Every nationality in the world is here. I, I, when I Just when I went to high school here, you know, 20-some years ago, and uh, we had, you know, I remember I had fellow friends who, some were Muslim, some were Hindi, uh, some were Buddhist, some were, had no clue what they were, Um, and some were, they were raised Catholic, but they weren't, Um, some were very strict on what they believed. Uh, I was one of the very few, like, Pentecostal charismatic kids, Uh, I was one of the only ones I knew. And I was weird. I had a very close friend who was Mormon. I, uh, that's one of the ones I won't have to study for. When we talk about Mormonism, and we will, uh, that one I can rattle off pretty good. I know that one pretty well. Don't have to study that one. Spent a lot of time on that one uh, with some friends. But I, I want to talk about that now because I feel like, one, I, I just feel like we need, we need a moment where we get back to being on mission and not just about culture Our mission is, of course, in the culture, but I want to get back about talking about the mission we're supposed to be about, which is the great co-mission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and I'm with you to the very end of the age. Or another one says, go and make disciples. Disciples. And then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our call. That's our mission. So our first mission isn't to combat what's happening. Our first mission isn't to submit to what's happening. Our first mission isn't to any of those things. It's to follow Jesus and proclaim the gospel. And and that's wherever we are. Anybody here work with somebody, know somebody, is friends with somebody who is not a Christian? Put your hand up. Don't point, just put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. So everyone, right? Anybody here know somebody who's Muslim? Yeah, most of the room. Know somebody who's a Hindi? A little less, but still some, right? Uh, Mormon and down the line, right? So there's a lot. We're going to unpack some of those this month and just how do we reach those people? And one of the ways we reach them is understanding where they're coming from. We're not going to talk about it in a, what they believe is good, and we should get on board with it. No, <laughs> Jesus, and that's it, and we're going to talk about that too. Uh, but we're also not going to shame them for what they believe. They believe it maybe because they were raised in it, maybe because they came into it and they were, they were deceived and told this is what the truth is, and they believe it, and, and, and it can even change people's lives, Okay? And if you don't know, something like uh, uh, they would call themselves the nation of Islam, but it's really, black Muslim is very separate from what real Islam is. But that has transformed young men's lives. Not necessarily, uh, for the better in some ways As becoming husbands and fathers and men who kept a job. Uh, men who were on time but they don't believe the truth. They don't believe Jesus is the way. So, the devil is fine with deception so long. The road to. Jesus said the road to hell is wide. The devil's fine with anything that gets you following him. As, as, and if, if you look great and you do great things and you do good things and nice things, that's fine as long as you're on the road to hell. Say, <laughs> so, how can you say that? Because we believe in Jesus and he's the only way. It's not thrive, thrive isn't the only way. It's not me. It's Jesus, okay? Thrive is a church, a reflection. Jesus is the way, okay? And so, but we have to understand that. Well, I want to start with our home base, which is Christianity. Because there's a lot in Christianity. It's a pretty broad umbrella. Anybody know someone, don't point again, who calls themselves a Christian and you're like, they are not a Christ follower? Yeah, yeah. Not, not in this room. Everybody here has got it down, but but outside of this room, okay, we, right? We know somebody's like anybody knows somebody who says I'm a Catholic, but they never go. <laughs> yeah, well, I was confirmed, therefore I'm done. You know, it's like so. Your faith is like a turkey. Once it's once it dings, and they say you're you're out. Okay, come back once a year, warm it back up, then go back out there. Right? That's kind of, and a lot of people do that. And the truth is, if you lived in the South, anybody here ever live in the South? Okay, yeah, Cassie's a girl from the South, right? Everybody's born again, right? Everybody, yeah, everybody's Baptist, born again, or everybody, but is everybody born again? No, no, Jessica Simpson. All right, let's keep going down the list. Uh, uh, so what happened, I'm just kidding, I'm not judging her hard, I don't know her, okay? Um, uh, but but there's things that feel like they don't mesh, they don't add up. And what happens is, with Christianity, just like anything else, it it actually happened, Riker talked about it a few weeks ago when he preached, the idea of syncretism. We start mixing things that were never meant to be mixed with our faith. We start adding things in and we don't realize we're doing it. And what happens is, we dilute it. Or, or we make it something it was never meant to be. When, anybody here when you were a kid ever go to the fountain machine and you go to all the things? You guys remember that? When you were a kid, you just fill up all, I want all the pops, right? We're in Chicago, we say pop, okay? It's not soda, okay? Okay, You don't mix it with another drink, okay? It's not, It's not Canada Dry, it is pop, okay? So... So, and you mix all the pop, and then when you're done, and and then at a certain age, you did that, and you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> and yet, part of you is like, I want to be a kid, so I want to like this still. But Then the other part of you is like, I don't, I think I'm mature enough to admit, this is awful, and I don't want to drink it. Right? It's not meant, when you're a kid, it's just sugar. Like, just all the things. Yeah, sugar's fine. But then as you grow up, you're like, sugar's good, but no. Nah. My brother, when we were kids, my brother would make, we, would ha- we had these things in the house. Um, we had, we had, we would have like chocolate ice cream. He would grab like chocolate ice cream and, and fill up a bowl. And then chocolate, there was chocolate whipped cream. I don't. Yeah, way back, uh, I don't know if they still make that or not, but it had chocolate whipped cream, and then he put on chocolate sprinkles, and chocolate chips, and chocolate syrup, just all the chocolate we could he could find in the house, and, he, and literally, less than 60 seconds, it was all gone. But I remember seeing it like, that looks amazing, just all the chocolate, and I made one myself, and I was like, I hate this, <laughs> because I'm not that big of a chocolate guy, I'm just not, it's not, it's... It's not, it, 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 for any other reason than I just, I'll like chocolate with something, but it, I was like, this is terrible. But for him, it was like, all the chocolates, so it's amazing. For me, it was like, ah, I hate this. And the truth is, when we take our belief system and, and begin mixing it with things it was never meant to be with, even though it, they look or sound like they could be together, They're distasteful in the mouth of God. Jesus Jesus even says, if you take, it says in the Bible that when you're lukewarm, he would spew you out of his mouth. If you take all the things, right? If you took hot coffee and mixed it with cold water, it's going to become lukewarm, something you don't want to drink anymore. Okay, if you like lukewarm coffee, you are weird, and you're not following Jesus. Okay. (laughs) I like, I like cold coffee, that's fine, at least we know where you stand. So in the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament there's this story, and this is where we get the, head of our, uh, the name of our series, and it's the story of Nadab, uh, Nadab and Abihu, and they're Aaron's sons. So Aaron is the head priest. He's the priest over Israel, and they're like us, or, or I should say we're kind of like them, um, where they 're setting up a tabernacle wherever the cloud lands, and, or in our case, wherever we can find a lease um, and, then, and, 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 and and the cloud would, uh, and wherever the cloud stopped, then Israel would camp there, and then they would set up the tent, which was the tabernacle, and inside of it there was a holy place and then a holy of holies. Eventually, years later, when the kingdom of Israel was established, they, they built a physical Actual permanent location of, but, but in this time, there was a mosaic, they called it the, they call it the Mosaic Tabernacle after Moses, but, but Aaron was the priest who did it, and his family, okay? And, and the Levites, and, and the cloud would then descend down into the Holy of Holies. But there was rules, there were ways you brought it, there were ways you worshipped. There were ways God said, I want to be worshipped this way, and no other. Don't mix me with other things. It wasn't that there was no give and take on anything, but on the way God was worshipped, on, on certain things, God said, you absolutely must do it this way. And here's what happened. If you have your Bibles or you can read on the screen, Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the there before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my own holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. So that's Aaron's sons, and they just watched them die. Another version says a strange fire. What fire was that? What, what does that mean? Scholars don't really know. Was it fire that was combined with something else? Did it come from somewhere else? Was it sacrifice to idols? Was it it mixed with the wrong thing? They don't fully know. What they know is it wasn't exactly what the Lord commanded. They mixed it with something he told them not to mix it with. They had what they needed. And for whatever reason, they thought we could just do it this way. Notice it doesn't say that they were crazy rebellious. It just says they mixed it. With some with some kind of strange fire was brought before the Lord. And God said, I can't have it. Some some of us would be like, How dare they? How dare! How could God do that? That, or, or that's the God of the Old Testament, it's different now. Well, something really similar happened in the New Testament in Acts chapter 5, and we're not going to read the whole passage, but Ananias and Sapphira brought an, a, an offering of money before the Lord, and, and, but they, they didn't bring the full offering, and it didn't even matter. It wasn't about the amount of money, they were lying about what they were bringing. And they dropped dead before the Lord and, and the leaders of the church. We've never had that happen here, so take heart, be encouraged. Nobody's ever dropped dead. Nobody's been burned up in fire, so good news, right? Probably because we don't have our own building, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, that's a joke. All right, so so God lays out quickly, there are some things he doesn't move on. There are some things that God is absolutely jealous for our attention. The Bible actually says that. We're going to talk about that. There's some things God is like, I don't compromise on this. To the point that it enrages God. It infuriates him where he has to say, you go no further. Now, some of us would be like, well, that's so harsh. Why would God kill somebody? That's a, I don't want to serve a God like that. Well, first, um, if you believe in any religious system anywhere, you believe, you can't believe in gods that That there isn't any form of judgment. And we'll talk about that, but Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, okay, they all believe in some kind of reaping and sowing, some kind of back and forth. Even if they believe in a syncretism that there's good and evil and evil and good, they still believe in good and evil. But here's my other question I would ask. Who are we to say to God what he could or could not judge? How do we know that those men and women would not have destroyed the church? Matter of fact, that would probably be my argument over Ananias and Sapphira. The church was an amazing, powerful thing that was happening, but also an infant. And something like that could have destroyed the work of God forever on the earth. And God knew it. And he knew their hearts and that they were beyond redemption in that moment. He's a better judge than we are. What's funny is we want to judge God and say, how could you do that in that moment? But the truth is, he's a better judge, and he knows the motivations of our hearts, and we don't. So in that moment, could God have known they crossed a boundary they're never going to come back from? God gives us so much time and so many choices and so many breaths, and he numbers our days. The Bible actually says that. You have so much of a window to follow him. And then at some point, we're not. And even then, God can have mercy and let us endure and go a little longer. We can be so debased and even given over to evil, and God still endures. But God can also say, Your heart is so wicked and so gone, we have to stop now. I can't let you go any further. I'm going to guess. That would be my guess. And I think it's a fairly educated guess, but it's still a guess. And that's what happened with Nadab and Abihu and Ananias and Sapphira. But I think how that applies to what we're talking about today, this strange fire, is God would say to his church right now, to us, to us as believers, let's not look outside the room, let's not look at the believers we're talking about on Facebook. and stuff, Let's look at ourselves in the mirror right now. And say, God, what am I mixing? What am I saying I'm moving on this and I shouldn't move? I'm not talking about throwing like, hey, you're moving. Cut it out. I'm saying, God, maybe I'm I'm wishy-washy somewhere. I'm lukewarm on some things. Change me. Christianity is actually quite exclusive in some things. Real Christianity is exclusive. John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts four twelve. 12. There is no salvation found in no one else. God has given no other name by which we must be saved. There are many paths to God. No, there is not. There's one. His name is Jesus. There are no other ways. You will not see the other side of eternity. You will not find hope in this life without the name of Jesus. We 100% believe that. We don't move on that because that's what he said. I'm not making it up. This isn't a thrive thing, it's a Jesus thing. These are his words. He claimed to be God. And either he is, and we must follow him, or he's a liar bunch of other world religions, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, see Jesus as a great teacher or a prophet. But if Jesus' words are taken, he is none of those things unless he is who he said he is. And then he's far more than those things. Christianity is exclusive and we cannot mix it. Well, I I like some things of Buddhism. Stop. (laughs) Pause yourself on that and realize you're mixing some things that shouldn't be mixed and it's dangerous. We do that in our Christianity a lot. We're going to talk about some things. But let's, let's talk about... Christianity just through the years. I, I was going to have a handout. didn't work out. But super fast history of Christianity, okay? And, and this is just tiny bullet points. And, and I, think we have, I think we have a really small, we have a visual, uh, hopefully. But, but several major things that happened in the church over the last couple thousand years, right? Uh, cr- church was formed at Pentecost. Um, there's numerous important councils where the leadership met. council. And I see a council of Trent. Uh, the Great Schism happened in the, around the year 1000. Um, the Reformation and the, the, around 1500, the great, great Awakening and Revivals, the Pentecostal Movement, the postmodern church is where we are now. These are all giant shifts that happen, and they didn't just happen in the church. They changed the earth. They changed the course of history across the globe. Islam is the way it is because of the great schism. The church split in half from one, there was one church, we call it Catholic now, but at the, before that it was just the church. That's all it was. It was the church, and, the, and, then, they, and then they split uh, largely over weird stuff. Some important, it was very complicated, but the church split into two, in an Eastern and Western what we now would call the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church. Now, if you don't know either of those very well, anybody here ever been to an Orthodox service? Anybody here? Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, like Russian Orthodox, Lithuanian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, and down the line, okay? If you went to a service like that, it would look a lot like a Catholic service, right? Because they believe a lot of the same things, a lot of the same practices. There's some differences in some higher doctrines and things like that. But what happened is, this schism happened over a lot of different things. Well, the Reformation, same deal many years later, the church got off. The truth is, in in the great schism, were either of them fully right? No. Were them fully wrong? Not necessarily. What happens over and over is when the church starts mixing itself, starts getting off, God steps in and says, "I, I want this thing purified. I want my church true and whole and pure. As a matter of fact, revelation, and, and the Bible says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, for a people who are not divided, who are undivided. Our hearts belong to Jesus. God isn't part of our lives. God is our life. He's everything. He's our whole. He's our being. Right? I read that somewhere. In Him we live and move and have our being. It's in a book somewhere, I think. There are certain things we don't move on. And when we do, either we heed the Holy Spirit when He convicts us or He moves upon us and it's not going to go well. certain things that remain consistent in true followers, what we would call orthodoxy. Okay, right now, so key doctrines, Trinity, Jesus, the Bible, his return, the resurrection, the atonement. If you don't believe one of these things, you are not a Christ follower. There are people, especially in the deconstructionist type movement, well, they don't like the idea of the atonement, that God had to pay for my sins by sending his son. That's an insult. That sounds like child abuse. Well, it sounds like it's you mostly because you're being very reductionist about the atonement. You're, you're not really weighing the whole thing out. You're trying to throw it out. You're not looking at it from a grand scheme. You're looking at simply from a human perspective. I don't want our world leaders, our, our, our national leaders, our local leaders to govern things based solely on one or two people's feelings and their perspective. I want them to do it from how it affects a large whole. God understands that. We look at something like the atonement or Ananias and Sapphira, like how could God kill them? How, how could God take his own son's life? How could? God? Here's another way to ask that question. How could God save the world? Because that's what he did through the atonement, that we are sinners. We broke God's law. We break it. We break it all the time. And if we believe, one of the things that happens is in this concept of syncretism and and following Jesus and deconstruction is a lot of people think there's no such thing as sin. Then why do we need Jesus to come and save us? We know something's wrong. It's written inside of us. Something in our gut, in our mind says something isn't right. And we, uh, the problem is, our human efforts keep trying to fix it. And Christianity is the only religion in the world where Jesus, God himself, comes to us and steps down to us and says, you can't fix it, but I will. I've shared this illustration before, but it's the idea, we, one of our kids, when we were potty training, I won't say their name because I don't want to embarrass them, but um, uh, one of our kids who were potty training, we, w- there was, we read a thing that says, make them clean it up. And that's a way to get them to stop, you know, doing it. Because they won't like it. Short story, it did work. (laughs) Longer story, it it was brutal. (laughs) I remember one time, like, closing the bathroom door for, like, 30 seconds, a minute, to try and get this child to potty train. And I said, you've got to clean it up now. Came back in a minute. And they were in the bathroom, but, man, it was like a scene out of the movie Saw 5. It was everywhere. They were this tall, and I don't know how, but it was on the ceiling. It was everywhere. And that is us trying to clean up our sin. We can't do it. But Jesus can. It's It's not child abuse. It's compassion on lost children. But here's the, here's the most amazing part. You'd Even that, like the atonement, to consider the atonement cruelty or child cruelty, I would also say, have you forgot about the resurrection? God didn't just sacrifice his only son. He rose. He defeated death. These are things we cannot compromise on. When the church does, when it drifts from the majors, something I was having a discussion with the interns the other day, we have to always major on the majors and minor on the minors. And when the church doesn't, when it drifts from this is when it begins to harm others, as well as itself, the crusades, The Crusades were a great harm to the church. They were not mostly a help. Going in and killing off Jewish people and and, and Muslims for the sake of reclaiming the Holy Land didn't really do us a lot of good. Okay, the Inquisition. They taught up new forms of torture. The thing is, it was well intended, let's convert Jews to Jesus. And then somebody has the idea, let's do it through force. And because the church was in charge, they just like, yeah, okay. Caused massive destruction, right? They became so about the conversion, they forgot who they were converting them to. The one who is the very definition of love. Right? Can we go? is Is it our job to go? Right. But you know what we don't do? We don't grab people like, you got to convert, you're going to hell. <laughs> Has anybody ever won somebody like Jesus like that? Because I have not seen it. Matter of fact, I know people who have come to Christ based on a fear factor. And they didn't stay very long. It's one thing to know there's a coming judgment. When I met Jesus, I mean, I was a kid, I was nine, and I ran to the altar because I knew I was a sinner who needed a Savior, but I also met a loving, forgiving Savior in that moment. I didn't run to the altar because I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. I ran to the altar because I wanted Jesus. And yes, I wanted him to save me, but I wanted him, and he met me. That's real Christianity. And I'm not a a full-blown Calvinist, but I do think a lot of people who leave the faith started off wrong. They ran to Jesus mostly to get away from something else. I know people who have come to Thrive and they're like, oh, this is amazing. I'll be back here every week. And almost every time I hear that, it'll be like, I will never see that person again. And sure enough, that is what happens. uh, Seriously, every time. There's been more recently somebody like, they said they're coming back every week. And I'm always always like, "Mm, that's not a good sign. (laughs) Because whenever you hear that, you're like, oh, well, it was nice having (laughs) them. But, but here's the thing, the people who kind of who tip their toes in the water, and then they kind of step in a little deeper, and then they're like, maybe a little bit more, because that's often the process of Christ in our lives. He draws us, right? But the people are like, "Woo! here I go, full on in for Jesus, and I'm diving in, they jump into the deep end, and often spiritually they drown and they never come back. Because, but a lot of times it's because they want God to fix something, but they don't necessarily want God. In these days and the times, has anybody here been afraid of death? Because I have. I'll, I'll put up both my hands. The first time I had corona, man, I, I, I'll be honest, I was pretty scared a few, ta- a few different days. It was brutal. I, didn't, I wasn't checked into the hospital, but it, it did not feel good. At times of my kids got sick or my wife, it's scary. People in our church, people who went to the hospital in our church, not a good feeling. It's scary, but at the same time, I have to remind my soul, who do I trust in? Am I following him to give me a good life, or am I following him because he is good? If you think, I'm going to follow Jesus so my life goes good, look, following Jesus does make your life a lot better. You avoid a lot of potholes. You do avoid a lot of trouble in a life that's pursuant to Christ. But Jesus also promised trouble will come. Syncretism says, I'm going to follow Jesus because he'll make everything good. Like, yeah, that's kind of half true. But it's not the whole truth. You also put a target on your back because the enemy knows you're following Christ now and he's not okay with it. You also said no to the world. And your friends and your family who know you're following Christ now are going to say, I don't like this. You're different. You make different choices. Why don't you drink with us like you used to? Because I'm following Jesus and I can't mix some of these things. We have to. We have to stay on the road that says, I belong to Jesus now. I'm with him. This is where I'm going. He's my everything. And we can't make it a strange fire we have to watch our doctrine we have to watch it okay we have to the truth is for lack of a better term this is a very churchy term we have to stay with orthodoxy and orthopraxy which is a really fancy way of saying this anything that elevates images action or self above god is idolatry and not christianity if it becomes more about us or our success or our influence or our blessings or our family or our political party, it's dangerous. It's syn- it's it's syncing up with other things that shouldn't be synced up with, and it's, it's 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 deadly to our faith. At very least, it can be toxic. It can be very poisonous. Years ago, when we experienced the worst tragedy ever. I remember just like, it's like a scene in a movie, you know, where you're like sat, where like somebody's like rushed up to this giant screen or something. And I felt confronted with my Christianity that I thought because I followed Jesus with my life and I'm in ministry, this bad stuff like this can't happen to me. Nobody taught me that. My pastors didn't tell me that. I didn't read that in a book. But somewhere, my Christianity, my pursuing walk with Christ, had syncretized itself with the American dream. That I could have all the things. And guess what? Coke with Sprite and Fanta is bad. (laughs) It doesn't taste good. And while I would never sign anybody up for tragedy, anything that purifies our walk with Christ... Is being used by God. Okay, things to stay away from. Okay, here's here's a good way of saying it: Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It is Jesus, period. Right? We all have the funny shirts: Jesus and coffee. I can get through any day, but it's not true. Well, it's a joke. I get it. It's fine. We don't have to throw your shirt out or burn it. Or just chill out, okay? Don't have to throw out your little, you know, Etsy thing that you have in your bathroom. <laughs> the one that what was that one that. Jesus, wash your hands because Jesus and germs are everywhere. <laughs> right? It's a joke. It's fine. You can have it, but it's not true. It's Jesus plus nothing. Don't add to it. Right now, it's happening a lot. Things we can't mix with that become strange fire. We can't. We just talked about other religions. We're going to be talking about other religions over the next few weeks: Islam, Hinduism, Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witness, and others over the next few weeks. What do they believe? And, and what's what's some value there, and then what's what's trying to sync us up with something that becomes toxic so those are we'll talk about that. but what else should we not mix it with when it comes to our walk with christ culture? If culture says one thing and God says another, it is wrong here here's here's what 's happening right now. This is a great clip from the uh, from from something from years ago. This is just just six seconds. Take a look at this. Make sure the sound is on, guys. Okay? Uh, uh, just take a look at this really quick. What do you think, Reverend? Well, once something has been approved by the government, it's no longer immoral. Yeah! That's what everybody thinks! That is what Christians in America think like crazy! Gay marriage is legal. God's fine with it. No, he's not! No. Oh, you don't love the homosexual community? Sure we do. Absolutely. Somebody asked you a while ago, like, did you try and change people who are LGBTQ? I don't change anybody. I don't try to change anybody. He changes us. But is God okay with it? No. Guess what? He's also not okay with gluttony. He's also not okay with alcoholism. He's also not okay with debauchery or pornography. There's a lot of things as Christians God is not okay with. Say, God loves me just as I am. Yes, he does. And too much to let us stay there. Because the government approves it doesn't mean God does. I grew up in this very shifting time in the church. I, came, I became saved in the late 80s. Grew up in the church in the 90s, and then men in the ministry in the 2000s on to, to now, right? And man, way different, right? From Jimmy Swagger to now, is was a way different time. <laughs> it is not the same, okay? And yet, what I think happened was the grace pendulum swung, right? We were crazy legalistic. We made rules up that, that, that nobody could keep up with. No R-rated movies. Women always have to have skirts on, okay? Does anybody remember these things from way back, right? Okay? There was like this line of what too much makeup was. But if you went further south, you could wear a lot more of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big hair, there was another one. I remember in my brother's, like if you went to the south, women had big hair all the time everywhere. And they could be super considered considered super holy. But in my brother's high school, uh, they measured how high the bangs were on the girls in the '80s, where it went up and over like this. And it was like if it was too much, like they sent them home because you know that's a sign of they're going to start a riot. (laughs) I don't understand it, but it was a thing. And then then you know now you could do anything, all the things. Pansexual, I can be any gender or or attracted to anything I want, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, at any given moment. What? That really is all the things. I want to be Coke. I want to be Diet Coke. I want to be Fanta Orange. I want to be Sprite. I want to be Diet Pepsi. I want all of it. No. They're both wrong. Don't make up rules God didn't make. And don't say God is fine with everything because he isn't. Right. Two things can be true at once. We mix with politics on both sides. Here's, here's a disgusting display that I saw uh, a few weeks ago. And we shouldn't wink and nod at it. Go ahead and throw it up there, guys, please. Okay? this is, this is Somebody put this up. Somebody made that billboard. They put a picture of Trump. And unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders in a picture of Trump. That is spew you out of his mouth type stuff. It's disgusting. And if you think that's kind of funny and you want to wink and nod at it, check your heart. Because it is not a wink and nod moment. They are mocking the God and Savior that you love with a man. Now you can like Trump or dislike him. You can think his policy was great and you can think it's fun. That's fine. I don't care. Okay, you figure that out. But What I'm saying is, when you, no, put it back up, guys. I'm not done. Um, when, you, when you put him on par with the Savior, you, you've, do you need, how much more do you need me to say this is idolatry? Like, what, what do you got to be explained that says, no, 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 no. Too far. No. We are not with you. And yet, the other side, you, you guys can't see it, but it's, it's, like a, it's, it's, like a, it's like a communist fist, and it says Jesus was a socialist. No, no he wasn't. The idea of a forced giving away of generosity by, at the end of a sword or at the end of a gun would have been foreign to the early church. Because nobody did that. Not only that, If you must be forced to be generous, it's really not generosity. God doesn't have my heart. The government has a gun. And in either sense, it's idolatry. If you want to take the government at the form of a gun to make somebody act like Jesus, that's not being like Jesus. It's just oppression. It's just tyranny. God is a God, whether we want to admit it or not, God is a heart God. And if he doesn't have our hearts, who cares if he has our actions? And the things we need to guard, to not be syncretistic, to not be messing with other things, we need to guard as the first thing, guard your heart. And these days and in these times, you, we have to guard our heart, guys. It's so easy to get bitter, so easy to get angry, it's so easy to get scared, it's so easy to get divided. If you want to wear seven masks in this place, do it. I don't care. If you want to, if you want to get vaccinated once a day, man, that's between you, do it. Nobody cares. What we care is Jesus has your heart. If you're like, I want no medications ever, and, you know, you have limbs falling off, man, that's between you and the Lord, okay? If you're really sick, please don't come in. Stream it. Hey, streaming people. Um, But guard our hearts, that it is undivided to Jesus. Nadab and Abihu, Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't do this. They got casual with God. They got very like, yeah, whatever, whatever lord proverbs four twenty three guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I remember i 'm going to share this illustration. I remember years ago one of our teachers was uh, teaching at Bible college, and it was just a picture that stuck with me and, and, and the moment he had with the Lord, and he was driving down the road with his wife, and they're driving in the car, and he, he, did, he did one of these, you know, as they're driving, just kind of puts his hand around his wife like this, you know, and we all do it, right? Okay, if you don't, you know, that's rough, but, um, but it, you know, just kind of casually, kind of lays it there and stuff, and, and there's nothing wrong with it in the moment, but he feels the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he says, that's what you do with me, you treat me casually. You just flop your arm around me. Instead of undividedly separate your heart to me, that you belong to me. We sing a lot of songs about how God's our Savior and He's amazing and He loves us, and and that's all true. But do we treat Him as holy and righteous? And God, at the snap of a finger, could, could end our life. And he would be justified in doing so whenever he does it. Because he is God. Do we guard our heart like that? Uh, uh, lots of times I don't. Lots of times I can pull the phone out and I can scroll. Linger on something too long. Look at something too long. And not, 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 just, not, just, not just an image, but, but, but arguments and thoughts. And my heart isn't undivided. I'm not talking about a legalism that says never look at this, never do that, but just that I want to be wholly devoted. God, I don't want this heart divided. I don't want to belong to a party or a system. Patriotism is not an evil thing. It, it can be a beautiful, good thing. But my heart belongs to my Savior. We must guard our hearts. In in, in these days, we also should guard our doctrine. You know, the holy place was where the law resided. Where, 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 Where Nahab and Abihu died was where the Ark of the Covenant was, which held the law, the Ten Commandments. And the, and the rules God gave says, that place is where, bam, you're dead because you mixed it with something else. When we start taking our doctrine and treating it loosely, we're in a dangerous place. 1 Timothy 4.16, uh, let's just read it. Keep a close watch on how you live in your teaching. Another version says, keep a close eye on your Doctrine. Over the last 20 30 years, I mean I remember reading articles and singing songs about we're all stuck on doctrine. We need to stop it. Anybody here remember that? Yeah, I had, I had a subscription to relevant magazine, right? We we like, oh yeah, let's bash doctrine. Nope, doctrine's good. Orthodoxy is good. Can we be legalistic and that's dangerous? Sure. You bet we can. It can be harmful. It can be very dangerous. But you know what's more dangerous? Too many rules is dangerous. No rules is lawlessness. I personally, as a believer, believe in a much more open type border that says we, we can help those from around the world. I don't believe in no borders that says lawlessness in anybody for whatever reason. Why? Both and. You can't have lawlessness, and you can't have no compassion. You can't have either one, because neither are a Christian standard. We must have both. We must welcome the foreigner, wrap our arms around them, and say, let me give you a place to live. And we must also say, if they're breaking the law, God, how can we make it right? I had students years ago who were not here legally, and it was never their fault. Their parents brought them, or their grandparents and they were stuck. This is the only life they knew. You know what we did? We wrapped our arms around them and tried to get them citizenship. We didn't call INS, because that's not what a believer does. But somebody who is a federal criminal and robbing banks, that's a problem as a believer. And we should also say, not okay. Lawlessness is not okay, both and. I have a missionary friend, Josh Cagle. We know him. He grew up in Mexico. He's an American citizen. But, and he would say, I said, what do you think? You're, you're from the, probably a more Mexican perspective than anyone I know. And he said, yeah, but we have to have laws. Lawlessness is not okay. You can't just let anything go. And what am I talking about here? Same thing's true in our doctrine. There are things we don't move on. The Ten Commandments are not gone because Jesus died for us. Matter of fact, if we want, really want to break it down, okay, if we want to break it down, there is an old, there's, a, there's a group of Old Testament laws. There's the civil, there's the ceremonial, and there's the moral. Okay? The civil and the ceremonial are all the Levitical laws and the laws of the, people, of the Jewish people. This is what you can wear, this is what you can't wear, this is where you can go, this is where you can't go. This is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat. Those laws were done away with, but the moral law was not which is the Ten Commandments. But Jesus said he fulfilled the law. The law is over with. No, 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 no. said he came to fulfill it, not abolish it. Now we are free from that law, but the moral law stands not because we are bound to it, but because the moral law is who God is. The Ten Commandments is not a list of ten rules. It is ten reflections of who God is. And that's why we live to it. And why Jesus transforms us to be more like it. We don't throw out. Does anybody here want to be like, I can commit adultery now because the Ten Commandments don't matter. Don't raise your hand. You won't be in, you'll be in a lot of trouble, right? You can't do it. Right? Why does that law stand? Because God doesn't cheat on us. It's who he is. God doesn't put others before himself. The first commandment. You say, well, that sounds Selfish. No, it's not, because if he did, he wouldn't be God and none of us would exist. His glory comes first, which makes us be able to breathe and live and have a universe. It's awesome. The Ten Commandments is who God is. We have to guard our doctrine in these days. And in all days, right? Because if it was true in 1 Timothy, it's, or 2 Timothy, it's true now. It's never going to go away that says, guard what you believe. And if you mix it, bad stuff can happen. So, so I, I did this earlier this week with, our, with one of our science classes. Some of you have seen it before. Okay? But the idea, right, the idea is if you haven't seen it, well, you're in for a treat. <laughs> okay? The idea is you, there's certain things don't mix. And if you do, if you don't guard it, if you're not wise about it, stuff can happen. Right? If I'm like, you know what? I I I I I I think God loves everybody, therefore therefore uh I think I think all things are fine, right? There's many ways to God. God's fine. God's fine with 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 all sexuality. And and God's fine God's God's fine if if i 'm divorced now my seventh marriage, he doesn't mind, he forgives me, and god's and, and God's okay, god's okay with, with me taking this much from my company because, because I, you know he forgives and I, I don't steal very often, and they, they make a lot of money anyway. It's just down the line, like God's fine with it, and what happens is it eviscerates what we believe. And by the time it's over, by the time it's all done, there's very little left. And I have tried to drink Diet Coke after the Mentos. It is not good. (laughs) It is not good. It's just what you'd think. Mentos flavored, flat Diet Coke. It is awful. It's horrible. We have to guard our doctrine in these days. Say, well, Brian, I I don't like everything you're saying today. It bothers me. It wrestles. Great. Bring it back to the Lord. I'm not him. I will make errors even in the pulpit because I'm a man. That's where we go back to that one, biblical, our doctrine and our practice. Orthodoxy is a lot of what we believe. orthopraxy is our practice of it. Over and over. Say, church isn't that big of a deal. I don't have to be there every week. Careful. I'm not, I'm not judging your life, but I'm telling you, everything we shave off, what's left? I heard somebody once say, it was at a men's convention. A worship team can come up, but... It was an immense convention. He said, here's, he, and he was saying fathers. He said, fathers, don't take Sundays lightly, and here's why. Because if you take Sundays lightly, if you take church lightly, you teach your children to take God lightly. Your practice matters. Right? Some of you, you're, you're built, right? Some of you got big arms, right? Good for you. I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm strong. It's not all fat, okay? But, but, but some of you, man, you can let, but you, right? That took time, right? It didn't take days or weeks. It took months and years, right? Unless you're like one of those freaks who's born that way and just keep it to yourself. But most people, right, like it takes practice, right? Some of you lost a lot of weight over time, right? I know, Sylvia, like she has a strict diet that she follows. And that took time, right? Did, did you love it in a week? No. It took probably months and years, right? And now she's like an evangelist for it. And she'll tell you all the benefits for it. And she'll change the world. Right? Okay? Be, and that's okay. Right. Because she learned the, the value of it. And the practice over and over. That it's as you practice it over and over. The Bible isn't going to change you in a day. But the Bible every day for a year will. We guard our doctrine. And last thing, we guard our relationship with Jesus. More than anything else. Because if you have good doctrine, and you're not a jerk, and you've guarded your heart, but, but you, your relationship with Jesus is floundering, man, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I've watched pastors over the years fell morally. Anybody here know man or woman of God you greatly respected that fell away? Anybody here know someone? I can tell you, and Chris Hodges I believe actually says this, I can tell you what went wrong in every one of those circumstances. They lost their first love. Somewhere they, they just stopped being in love with Jesus. Never let it happen. Guard your relationship with your Savior. I, I'm somebody, I love keeping up with current events. I love it. Okay? I have some podcasts where I want to listen to them every morning and be like, oh yeah, that's good. That's that's what's true. That's not true. And yet I have to guard that because it's dangerous to my soul. It's toxic sometimes. There are times I just say, I'm shutting them all off so that I put my Savior back to First you. God, it's you. There's nothing else. It's you. You brought the church this far. It's not going anywhere. God, I want to cross the finish line. I don't want to syncretize my faith. I don't want to mix it with things it's not meant to mix with. Exodus 20 says it best. Do not Make yourself any idol of any kind or image of anything. You must not bow down to them or worship them. And here's what I want you to hear. I, the Lord, am a jealous God, and I will not tolerate the affections for other gods. See, now western mentality. I was teaching this to kids the other day, and the kids said, Well, I no, it's bad. God can't be jealous because jealousy is bad. That's a western mentality. That's, a, that's an American mindset it is, and it's human. Jealousy's bad. No. My wife hits on another man or another man hits on her. I am jealous for her affections, and I will not tolerate it. And I will lay hands on that man. Not in prayer. Right. And that is a good and righteous anger to have. Ladies, you can say the same thing the other way. It's okay. That is the, the imprint, the thumbprint, the fingerprint of the DNA of God that He is jealous for us. He wants our affections and to be undivided. I belong to you and nobody else. I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to a party I, I am an American, but I don't belong to America. I belong to Jesus. Thank God for men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who loved his nation of Germany, and then when they felt in, fell into sin and were deceived by Hitler and the Nazi party, he stood up and said, No! We belong to Jesus! and it got him killed it ended his life weeks before Germany was liberated within days thank God for men like that may we be ever more like him I want to belong solely to you Jesus not what I want not just the world I want. Man, I'm praying for an outpouring. I'm praying that God does something. Saves our nation. Gets our world back on track. And, and puts, puts Corona away once and for all. I want all those things. But whether they happen or not, I want to fall and stay in love with Jesus all of my days. And, if, and God knows. If all those things go away, would we stay in love? then don't make those things go away, Lord. Keep my heart undivided. And I will say this. A lot of the church in America fell asleep. And in most Western nations. Because we were comfortable and it was easy. This right now, what you see, what so many of you did here this morning, it's not easy church. It's not comfort church. It's not cool church where you can come late, get great coffee, sit in the back, hear a super awesome band, leave quickly, and be at lunch you know, before some other church gets there, because you, know, you can get in and out and that guy's a better speaker. That's fine, and it's okay if that's where God has you, but, but this, is, this is not easy church. Man, God's here and He's moving. Be undivided, not to thrive, not to be, not to Sunday morning setup. I mean, that'd be great, but not to Sunday morning setup, but to Jesus. Jesus, I belong to you. All my days, I want to love you more. Oh God, I want to love you more.